Episode? Yeah, it doesn't matter. 48. <laughs> That's going to be on the blooper, Cav. <laughs> Just take a guess. That's fine. 48. Um... Welcome back, Wing It Podcast, GooseDigital.com. Who do we have? Robin Kroll. Chris O'Neill. Kevin Butler. Michael Turksani. Okay, welcome back. Episode 48. Usually I do that on the intro, but I guess I, I missed that one. Critically thinking about the end results. Getting out of the weeds. We're going to work on that by the time Cam publishes this thing. Um, we're talking about... What are we talking about? We're talking about when you take a step back as a marketer and look at the thing that you've put together, whether it's a email or a landing page or an ad or a blog or whatever it happens to be, you know, is it actually doing what you think that it's doing or supposed to do? You know, is it talking to the right people? Is it um, back, you know, linking back to your strategy? And I think, you know, we've been talking for some time about everybody doing a ton, you know, we're all trying to crank up the volume and make up for lost time, you know, particularly with, with COVID, but just generally speaking, you know, the being in the weeds is really a reference to sort of like a lot of customers have their heads down. A lot of, even, even us, you know, we have our heads down, we're doing things. And sometimes we're just trying to get those items off the list. And at the end result can be impacted, can be left with something that has all the pieces, but maybe it's not in the right order, or maybe it doesn't exactly hit home because you're, you're too kind of uh, focused on just getting getting that piece done versus putting yourself uh, in 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 the customer shoes. So, why don't we uh, we'll kick this off with with Chris Christopher O'Neill, Vice President of Business Development, GooseDigital.com. Right. Why don't you go? Wait to get started. <clears throat> From uh, you know the standpoint, we talk to a lot of people who are you know getting started in their their marketing automation journey. And they're, uh, you know, they've been sort of a sales-oriented organization for, for many years. So oftentimes, this might be their first sort of uh, attempt. Um, with other of our customers, they are sort of deeper into it and doing a lot more with, uh, with you know, programs, doing a lot more with platforms. Um, and in either case, you, ever, you always like wind up with that conversation around, well, what does it actually mean? So, you know, you wind up with metrics that, that we look at as marketers, like open rates and conversions. And sometimes conversion, that's sort of the concept of conversion, um, is like something that we have to spend basically a whole session with, with, uh, with some folks. Because what does it all mean when you've got all these people opening this, uh, this, uh, um, uh, this newsletter or opening up a, um, you know, getting onto a landing page, but it's not translating into actual revenue. And so that's, that's a big part. And, and you know, in terms of, of, of helping some of these, you know, new marketing organizations sort of get their head around what sort of what they can expect. Um, that is a big part of, of what we, uh, of, of what we, we need to educate them on. The next part is like, so when do you start seeing that sort of rubber hitting the road and getting actually revenue in? And that can 
can be a real dividing point between sales and marketing because the salespeople are wondering, well, these leads that are, these so-called leads that are coming in aren't actually that good. They're, they're not actually, we're not actually translating them. And then the marketers are saying, how come sales can't close any of all these leads that we're sending over? Like, what's wrong with those guys? So mm -hmm. th this can sort of drive a wedge between the sales and marketing teams. So I know we're going to talk about the strategies and so forth that, you know, sort of, um, un, you know, underpin the, the, the um, you know, the, the road to a good sort of um, a good connection between, you know, sales and marketing. But, you know, one of the, one of the early things we learned about, you know, some of these industries is that, you know, people don't want to deploy and measure and, and and they don't want to do all that stuff really. What they really want to do is grow their business. What they want to do is to drive more transactions, drive more revenue. Um, you know, it's almost like the, in order to do so, we need to put these platforms in and make them work. But, you know, sort of getting stuck, as Michael said before, in the sort of the, you know, individual tasks that are, in, that are involved in getting those leads to kind of uh, come to the surface. That's stuff that we need to do, but we can't lose, lose track of the fact that it's all about driving revenue and transactions. Yeah, I, I, just, I totally agree. I, I think every marketer has probably been through um, periods of time whereby they get a bit lost in those weeds and it's all about just finishing and delivering certain tasks because you've kind of done them before or you've mentally committed to doing them and you lose sight a little bit about what the end result is supposed to be and how those those little tasks play a role in the bigger thing or the bigger plan in order to actually achieve those results. So I'm going to play the role of the marketer and, and champion all our fellow marketers and thinking about before we can worry about revenue driven, that's the ultimate objective and certainly what we all want. There's got to be sort of definition around measurement and indicators for success before we get too far ahead of it and worry about the revenue. And I think, when we sit and talk to these marketers, there's a unanimous buy-in for, hey, let's go drive revenue together with sales, no doubt. However, it's like, okay, before we can worry about an opportunity at, I don't know, 50% through the sales cycle or even forecastable for close, it's how do we actually recognize good leads from not great leads? And do we have a, a universal definition within the organization, both sales and marketing, that understand how to differentiate the two in the the term marketing qualified lead, every company uses it. But a lot of companies, the sales and marketing teams each don't understand the same common denominators of criteria that go into that definition. And as a result, that there starts the fraying or that fragmentation, Chris, that you're talking about, where they're not, sales are now all of a sudden decoupling and not aligned with the results and actions that marketing's taking. And they think that's the real first thing is can you define and how both departments actually understand what this means. Because if sales understands, marketing's just gone and driven a bunch of great qualified leads, then they know what to expect and they should be pretty much on board with that. And from there, can you define sales qualified? And, and at that point, there's those transitions and every org's a bit different on the transition time, how that all works. But the idea is, if you can define what those things are and everyone knows their role in the process, then I think it's a whole lot easier for everyone to get on board with the role they play in taking that prospect through the journey into being a customer, hopefully. So that's kind of where I feel is the first breakdown on the path through revenue. 
Yeah, I, uh, Robin, did you want to weigh in there? Yeah, well, I just, you know, sort of on the tail end, it has everything you're saying that sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. And these are all these internal things. But then there's, you know, sort of reminding yourself, who, who is all this for? Who are you trying to attract and engage? It's the customer, sure. right? Yeah. So it could be, uh, it could be a brand new lead. It could be a prospect that you're somewhat engaged with. It could be an existing customer. It could be a lapsed customer. It doesn't really make, it, it you know, doesn't, not that it doesn't make a difference which customer it is, but regardless of each level of that, that customer or prospect, that's who you're trying to engage with. And sometimes, that, very often that gets lost. Um, you know, a lot of companies will spend all this work up front, defining their persona, understanding the audience, what are the pain points, what are the channels, all this work. And again, then all those details come in and you forget what you did at the beginning, which was so paramount. And that can be, um, you know, who are you talking to? What is the language? And, and, you know, I think we were talking about this before. We're guilty of that sometimes. You know, this language that we use internally, that we understand. But if you sort of, you know, go on the other side of the, of the, the desk and say, well, would the customer understand that language? Is that, is that common language? Or would you only understand when you work on this side of the desk of the company? I totally um, agree. I think every, every company's guilty of that to an extent the the key and it's just going to happen i think just because of how deep you get into something how focused you are Absolutely. but it's important to to realize exactly what you're saying and say okay i see i've kind of been in the weeds here i, I see that i've lost sight of the big thing while worrying about the the near-term thing and pull yourself out of it and then ask those questions like does this actually resonate does this matter will this drive the intended results i think that's yeah. key and that, that, you know, that also configures into the measurement, right? Because if you understand what is it you're trying to drive, how you're trying to connect, who these different customers are, different, uh, different types of measurement are going to be uh, more relevant or more important in a different campaign. Yeah, so if, I, you know, we, if we think of the, you know, the MQL definition and bringing sales together, I think, you know, is an interesting kind of starting point, you know, remembering where, who you're talking to and, and, and um, are you are you using internal language that maybe isn't exactly suitable for um, you, your average prospect or, or customer? But I think when when we look at more than that, you know, there, there's definitely situations where sales is saying, you know what, like the the language that we're using here isn't, you know, we're, we we do things in the in the pitch. And once we're in the pitch, you know, it's it's wildly different than kind of what we would see in the landing page or in the ads. And I don't think it can be, you can't be putting a pitch into an ad. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, that piece and, and how do we get that right. But maybe also, you know, what could be missing in, in a lot of these campaigns that are being run, particularly like what you touched on, Robin, you know, all that work's done up front. And then I don't think all that often people are using you know, little briefs or, or, you know, little campaign briefs or something that kind of recap, okay, what are we, what are we actually trying to do with this little thing that we're putting out there on? And is it touching the right people? And are we saying the right things? Yeah. So uh, it's like, <clears throat> it's like revisiting. It's like, you know, I mean, like, so marketing and sales. So Mark sales looks at marketing and goes, 
So all these leads are coming in. And um, uh, so, yeah, so we've got, we've got some of them that are coming in that are really good. But sometimes, sometimes there's a complaint that, you know, we're, we're kind of beating the same drum all the time. So in other words, we break it down into, we're going to get sort of some, some interest from this, uh, from this sort of customer base. We're going to sort of engage them like with some, with some materials. And then at the right moment, we're going to send the sales guy in. So that's the, mm -hmm. that's really the ideal plan. Kev, am I right? Totally. Yep. Totally right. So the only problem is, is that if we don't revisit what those messages are soon enough, the sales reps are out there banging their heads on messaging that is stale, that isn't basically hitting the mark, and we need mm -hmm. to constantly be looking back at that. So not to and say- I, and I, Yeah, and I, I think what you brought up there was, you, and you used the word a few times, was messaging. And that's kind of where I wanted this to eventually end up, is that I think a lot of the end results, you know, critically thinking about what is being produced at the end, it comes down to messaging. I mean, I know it's more than that. It could be best practices and layout and stuff like that, but really messaging. Sorry, Chris, not to interrupt you there. Yeah, no, no. So the, you, you, if you, as long as the, if the messaging is, is, is right, then you, then you get that right pers person on the phone. But so, um, and I'm not saying that happens, you know, with us because we're very, you know, we're, we're, we're oh, no, no. <laughs> Sometimes in some uh, sales marketing organizations, there can be a little bit of like frustration because the, the marketing has decided that this is what the message is. Going back to Robin's point of like, you put all this work into developing mm -hmm. the personas and the messaging and all that, and then you start driving it out there. And if we're not getting the right engagement at the sales level, we need to revisit that. We can't well, just sort of- And that's just, that's it, Chris. Right. I think you're right on the money. I, I also think I'd make a key sort of addition to what you're saying. I, I think sometimes marketers, they get in this pattern of saying, this isn't what the messaging was, meaning they go and build the personas and they, this, they establish like a message hierarchy for what they think the prospect needs. And that never really changes a year or 18 months later. And as a result, you're spewing messaging from value props that are old, dated, or just not even relevant anymore. And I think marketers, I see this a lot where they're definitely guilty at times. And I think we've all been there too, where it's, you haven't really refreshed things. You haven't really you know, critically thought about, does this make sense today? Like one, one exercise I go through, whether it's a blog or an email copy, I call it weights, W-A-I-T-T-S. And I literally write at the top of whatever Word doc or Google sheet that I'm working on, it's what am I trying to say? And I will just bullet point out, I am trying to help support the notion of buying more Goose Digital. But just thinking about it from that perspective and then trying to work it back into slightly more articulate copy or messaging, right? But I'm trying to appeal to a CEO who's going to sign off on an SOW we have created. Okay, so what are the things that he or she would need to hear, read, or, or have said to them in order to do that? And I do find that markers get a bit, I don't know, they, they kind of say, well, this is what we've always said. So this is therefore what we're going to say tomorrow. And there isn't really that that thought process around, well, does it make sense today like it did yesterday? And I think we've talked long about the way the world's changing faster and faster than ever before. And those kinds of questions probably should be asked even quarterly at this point. Yeah, so I just wanted to pick up on two points. First of all, Kev, you're 100% right about, um, you know, needing to, he liked that. <laughs> uh, uh, go on, go on. 
Marketing is not uh, always right, Robin. Okay. I'm sorry. He's not always right, but in this case, he's 100% right. Is that um, you need to reevaluate who you know your audience and your message continually. Um, you know, we don't want not need it's not necessary to mention COVID in every single podcast, but COVID as an example, right? So whatever marketing messages happened in February, well, it could be the exact same audience, the exact same uh, industry, but guess what? Those messages didn't work two weeks later, right? Totally. So, so if and if you think of how an audience and how a business evolves over a quarter, over six months, over a year that you're doing yourself and you're definitely doing your, your customers and prospects a disservice, mm -hmm. but not really reevaluating how is it you can best serve them? How can your products really help the pain points that they, they have right now? So that was the one, con one of the comments. The second one is I wanted to pick up what uh, Mike had sent about the, the, the marketing brief. And I love the marketing brief because it's something that's uh, created for a, a specific initiative. So it is more in the moment. So you, you're forced to think about right now, this campaign or this initiative that I'm about to do, who is my audience? What is their current pain points? How can my product or service help resolve it? What is my messaging, etc.? And then have that all flow down the line. And I love the marketing brief because um, when it's used properly, it's the kind of thing that is shared throughout the organization. So sales understands the marketing brief and what it's trying to achieve. Marketing understands it. Um, operations, uh, you know, everybody all the way down the line understands what we're trying to achieve. And it's a great document to be able to go back to to say, okay, we might have deviated a little bit, but are we still rolling back up to what we're initially trying to achieve, uh, measure in the audiences? And, and it's a great way to sort of keep everybody on track and keep them honest. I, I love that you mentioned that because there's a real danger in the marketing brief not happening, right? It represents probably the only time in a campaign or initiative that everyone actually gets together and documents, what are we trying to do? How are we trying to do it? Who are we doing it to? And then, you know, what are the expected outcomes? And if it gets skipped because we're trying to move quick and things are happening fast, then you sort of see how no one's on the same page from the very get-go, which will often lead to fragmented results or so-and-so doesn't pick up their part of the journey when they're supposed to. And you can see where the breakdowns would immediately begin on such a simple exercise. I think that's a great call out. So thing I want to, oh. Mike, I just want to say one more uh, uh, item around the, the, you know, connecting the, the, the sales and marketing around the messaging is that, you know, we've, we've long said that, um, you know, that, that it's high time that marketing take a uh, piece of the, of, you know, the, the uh, revenue component, you know, to be responsible for revenue, because it's not enough to, to basically drive those 200 leads uh, or like hit that score you actually have to be responsible for revenue. And I think sales mm -hmm. is equally responsible for the, for, the, um, uh, for the messaging. In other words, if they're not sort of uh, in the game enough to sort of help to determine what that messaging should be, they're not really sort of being part of the team either. 
So, you, so neither team can sort of sit back and go, hey, they're not doing their job or not, they're not doing. They, 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 they all have a role to play in the messaging and in the revenue. And that's, that's a big part of like the, the leadership guidance is making sure that that is cohesive and that everybody's pulling in the same direction to make sure that that target audience is getting the right message at the right time. Yeah, so that was kind of where I was going to go as well around the next kind of part of the problem, the second half of the problem is that um, both sides are trying to learn more about what each other and, you know, incorporate the professionalism or the know-how of the experience from both sides of the coin into what they're doing, right? So like you said, well, sales has to get to know a little bit more and provide information and marketing also has to be flexible and say, okay, I see where you're coming from. We'll revise that messaging. I think it is challenging though. In a lot of organizations, the revenue really takes the front seat. And then now that is just got so much power over the whole ship. Right. And I think you can be in situations where you lose some of that marketing, um, uh, strategy and tactics, right. They'll go, like we talked about earlier, well, the, the pitch, we say this. So in the pitch, we say this and the ad, let's say that, right. The equally, you probably wouldn't want the marketing director to come in and say, well, look, you, your deck should be 15 slides long when you're saying, no, 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 we can close this in four. I don't need, I don't need 15 slides. So I think there's a bit of that going on where sales can really have a lot of influence over what's happening in marketing and you, you still need to say well no we're, we're trying to nurture these people to be warm so we can't go straight to a close but you know what do we think about that concept who wants to take that yeah i'll take it so um so yeah like i want um you know marketing um you know influence is is extremely important in terms of you know um you know the message the messaging continues from that initial sort of contact all the way through to and you know beyond the the, the initial sale so depending on what you're selling there's going to be some like you know ongoing messaging obviously we spend a lot of time on customer marketing which is like so you you are a customer and now we want to you know continue to 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 educate and continue to communicate with you etc so that's a, that's a that's definitely an ongoing parallel and uh, for most companies it's like having having uh, both the marketing and the sales teams you know working together on the messaging throughout the cycle um, is going to be is going to be really important i know there's some situations where sales feels like hey we're ready to take this like we as as soon as they show interest we want to kind of come in and i think that's where um i think where, where there needs to be that sort of overriding leadership where you don't have either marketing or sales like dominating you need that sort of that balance of we need both of these things happening in you know cohesively um in order to uh in, you know in order to get the best possible result yeah, no, I just thought there, like, I think there's two things going on. Sales wants to jump when and strike while the iron's hot. Makes total sense, velocity, and if they can close something quicker, why not? I do think there is a level of sales wanting to jump in quicker because they may not in some organizations trust that marketing actually knows what to do to keep it warm or get it warmer. So they think, well, I do know what to do. I can take, and I think, while marketers, I still love you, Marketing has to take more accountability for understanding the rest of the sales cycle, the part that they're not primarily leading or in some cases never even touch. 
And whether it's, I'm not saying they have to be on every call and do the closing, but I'm saying they have to understand, well, what's the salesperson's role? What are the key things they're trying to accomplish? And what are those messages at each stage? I think there are a lot of marketers who are happy to say, Chris, you referenced it earlier, I've driven my 200 leads, here you go, and I'm focused on the next 200. Well, you should still be focused on the next ones, but I don't think you can just wipe your hands clean. And my expectation for any marketer would be, you've got to be able to go and support that sales pitch. And if it's in person, because we're long past COVID, hopefully, knock on wood, that you can go add value to that, that pitch as well, right? You don't have to be the main speaker and sales probably still wants to do that, but you should be able to be valuable in that conversation certainly not embarrass things and help inch the deal forward as you can. And if marketing can't, then it's like, do you really understand the full journey? And if you don't, how are you really contributing at the front end with real value if you don't know where this ends up, right? Robin, you got anything on there? Are you good? No, I'm good. I let the sales and the marketing guy handle that question. <laughs> well, I, th I think next time, I think there could be a good one to do. And I think this is why scoring, lead scoring has become such a, a hot topic, you know, and, and not that it's a new concept, but I do think it's something that more organizations are starting to take seriously and redevelop maybe scoring strategies that they've had in the past, because I think marketing then they're, they're forced to go beyond just the initial response slash, you know, marketing qualified component and really develop messaging and, and strategies around warming those, those up. Right. And, and we've seen situations literally this week where, you know, thousands of, of, of MQLs are expected per month and literally sales is not going to be involved in any of them until they are truly hitting a certain level and can be um, expected to move through to the sale. So I think that is a new, a nuance that a lot of marketers are not, are not used to. Yep. Yeah. Or adjusting to because of. Yeah. Whatever. Adjust, adjusting to. So I think, I think that's a, you know, I think that's worthy of going down a podcast road for that one. Um, well, I think this has been really good. I mean, I'm certainly excited about marketing and sales. I don't know about you guys. I know more I about sales now. I love our marketing team. Marketing is awesome. All right. Well, thank you. Till next Bye, time. Everyone. Bye, everyone. Peace out. Right. Later.